then we have to really escalate the noise we make so that we'll be heard. Welcome to Gay USA. I'm Andy Hom and I'm back. You're back, Andy. I'm Erin Johns and I'm so happy to be here with Andy today. Erin, you've done such a terrific job uh, while I'm away and I'm glad to have you here with me. Um, uh, uh, anything happened while I was away? <laughs> <laughs> just a little, just a few things. Well, let's give, the, let's give our viewers the headlines. Uh, of course, you all saw the vote uh, for the U.S. House Speaker was completely chaotic. But now the farthest right wing is in charge, and they don't like us. And meanwhile, out Republican George Santos, my favorite person, he'll be whatever you want him to be. He takes his seat in Congress and does something incredible. He flashes the white supremacy sign, or is it the Illuminati sign? We don't know. No, no. Uh, a male conservative leader in this country, top one, was accused of groping a male campaign ad, aid campaign aid. And there won't be any groping in a certain Florida high school as a student performance of lesbian-themed drama Indecent by Paula Vogel has been yanked. That's terrible. Uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright. Uh, and then actor, playwright, and gay activist Emmett Foster, a, a dear, beloved member of the gay and theater communities, has died at the age of 75 in New York. Hopping over to Kenya, we have a fashion designer, influencer and activist, Edwin Chiloba, 25 years of age, has been found murdered and dumped by the side of the road. Just gruesome. Uh, so we're going to talk about what does it mean? You talked about, uh, you know, uh, uh, Pope Benedict dying last week. What does it mean for Pope Francis to be free of Pope Benedict? And uh, in streaming land, the young star of TV's Stranger Things comes out. Yeah. And I'm going to review non-binary Emma Corrin in a London stage adaptation of Virginia Woolf's Genderbending Orlando. And you've got, uh, Marin, a documentary to talk about. Yes, I'm going to do a review of all the beauty and the bloodshed. Let's start in the House of Representatives. Uh, I, I, was, uh, I certainly saw the news on it. Uh, uh, I didn't watch most of the proceedings. Uh, you know, it's... a. Uh, I mean, what were your impressions watching all that? Oh, it's a shit show. Uh, but, but you know, uh, we, we, you know, it was a little bit of schadenfreude. We saw the, the Republicans in complete disarray, but the other shoe has now dropped, and we do have Kevin McCarthy there. So what does it mean for us, Andy? Well, I mean, you know, we've got, uh, the real leader of the House now is Matt Gates. Put a picture <laughs> up. There he is with Kevin McCarthy. But Matt Gates is in charge. His wing of the party and it's, you know, even within a very conservative caucus, this is the farthest right. I mean, he, he only voted present, which allowed McCarthy to get elected without the 218 votes uh, by because he didn't vote for anybody else. But, you know, um, uh, McCarthy is going to have to live with a straitjacket conducted by the rules that, that we are working on now, Matt Gates said. He said this. You know, we're straight jacketing him. He's going to do what we say. I'm so disappointed 
that a handful of Republican moderates, of course, there's no sense going through this, but, you know, didn't come forward and work with the Democrats and say, put a moderate Republican in, we'll have sanity on the, uh, in terms of the way the House is controlled. But no. And then uh, when we're taping uh, today, uh, yesterday, they passed their rules package. So... So, Meanwhile, what happened to Matt Gates' sex trafficking case? Yeah. The man should bars. Honestly. But look, let's just, again, let's just take stock of where we are. You know, it's easy. Yes, Republican popularity has gone down because of this, and the Democrats are in charge of the Senate. Not in charge, not with the filibuster, but they have a majority. Biden is a Democratic president. But the crazies will hold, this is what they can do. They hold up all the budget bills, including the raising of the debt ceiling, until and they, uh, you know, uh, you know, make the other side do what they want on right. anything. And they're going to say, if you don't pass this, if you don't do this, we're not raising the debt ceiling. If you don't raise the debt ceiling, the United States defaults. You can have a worldwide depression as a yes. result. It's quite the threat. Um, we've gotten past the threat. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in addition to that, we can have these pundits are predicting a complete bottleneck of any rights that our community want tabled and and moved along. Uh, they'll just be put in in uh, they'll just be put in a holding pattern for discussion, uh, but they won't go anywhere. Right. And one of their targets, they've openly said it, is to cut Social Security and Medicare, two of the most popular programs in United States history. And you know they say things like, "We're going to go after uh, the military budget to get rid of." woke programs, anything that deals with diversity. But the military is the most diverse workforce in the United States, mm. not the most liberal, and they do have diversity programs, you know, to, out to help all these young men and women uh, coming in and transgender people coming into the military, you know, to deal with all the diversity that they have to deal with. Well, the Republicans want to stop. Right. But we can expect them to rush along a proposed bill such as the Women's Bill of Rights, which would be a, a, a resolution that... Uh, uh, specifically uh, protect cisgender females from any transgender females who want to access single-sex spaces. So you can expect a bill like that to progress. Well, those uh, bills, again, I think they will not be passed by the Senate or signed by the president. But again, do, if they put, in, put them into the budget negotiations, right. that's when you can lose on them. So it's, it's you know, uh, it, it, it's bad. And then there's uh, your, your friend George Santos. It was kind of the George Santos show for the last couple of weeks, wasn't it? I tell you what. I mean, he's he's really missed his calling. He should have been an actor. That's what I think. Well, all politicians are. So they've always said politics is show business for ugly people. <laughs> that's an old expression. Or what? Yeah, Washington. Washington is Hollywood for ugly people. That's what. Yeah. That's how I heard that one. But what do you think? So he was photographed as he cast his vote for McCarthy. He was photographed gesturing the yes vote with his right hand, making a symbol with his left hand. Um, the internet is kind of divided on whether or not this is truly a self-consciously uh, timed white power symbol. Well, uh, yeah. what do you think? I think he's out of his mind. Um, <laughs> but uh, the question is, what are they going to do with him? He was very happy this week when they, the Republicans passed the rules package and they gutted the ethics committee uh, to make it harder to do investigations. Uh, he finally gave a quote to the press and he said, that's fantastic. <laughs> now, um, and look who he's hanging out with, Mar <laughs> yucking it up with Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, likely the most extreme member of Congress next to Matt Gates. Um, he's also, he's being investigated by the Federal Elections Commission. 
um, they flagged issues with uh, contributions to his campaign, exceeding federal limits. He also had his aide pretending to be the chief of staff to uh, Kevin McCarthy to raise money. I mean, this stuff, I mean, it never ends. Uh, And a former Pentagon official said that Santos might pose an espionage threat to the United States, given how much access members of Congress have to classified material and how he wants to monetize everything. Of course. Look, I think he'd be anybody's for 20 bucks. That's what I think. Well, he's hired a MAGA fixer named Vish Burra, uh, who was an aide to, who was tied to Steve Bannon uh, to burnish his image. Of course, Steve Bannon was busy trying to overthrow the government of uh, Brazil this week. So just, uh, wow, America. Only in America. All right. Some other Congress news. Hey, this is a very small note. Uh, Congressman Robert Garcia, who got elected from Long Beach uh, to, to the House, he's going to take the he took the oath on the Constitution and on a copy of the original Superman comic book from 1939 and a copy of his citizenship certificate because he's an immigrant and yes. a photo of his parents, both of whom died of COVID. Yes. Uh, uh, most are sworn in by Bibles, but no, you don't have to be sworn in on any object, actually. But he's not being disingenuous, is he? These, these are things that really do matter to him. He yeah. said he tweeted that these are the things that he sort of holds dear. So, yes. Right. Okay. Uh, and then uh, in New York, uh, out well, uh, our mayor is very upset with the out-governor of Colorado, Jared Polis, mm. uh, for sending migrant transports to New York City. He says it's unacceptable, but Polis, uh, and that Polis didn't notify him, uh, but Polis says the migrants asked to be sent to New York. They wanted to go to New York. So, right. But now they're, they're in homeless shelters. So That's right. We don't have room for them in the new facilities for the immigrants, and they're having to go to homeless shelters. So maybe you don't want to come here because a lot of our own homeless people don't like going to the shelters. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, in West Virginia, a federal judge ruled that the ban on trans athletes in female sports is constitutional. That's a loss for the ACLU. And, of mm-hmm. course, many states that didn't finish targeting uh, uh, trans health care and trans sports last year are working on it this year. By the mm-hmm. way, the Des Moines Catholic Archdiocese banned the use of preferred pronouns. Oh, really? Now, the Bible says, in Christ, there is neither Male nor female. Did you remember that one? That, that is true. It's yes. been a long time since I read the Bible, but that's in there. It surely is. Uh, Trenton, New Jersey, elected the uh, their newest member of the city council is trans mm-hmm. and Republican. Mm-hmm. And she won by one vote. Jennifer Williams, the mayor there in Trenton, is an out gay man. Reed Gushiora, now in his second term. Okay. Um, tell us about Matt. Schlapp. I know you like saying his name. Matt Schlapp. It's such an it's such a uh, an unfortunate name if you want to inappropriately touch somebody. Um, this is a conservative leader who has been accused of fondling a, a male campaign staffer in Georgia, of all places. He's one of the nation's most prominent conservative leaders. He's a he's one of the top allies of former President Donald Trump, and here he was putting his hands between the legs of a young male aide who has not been identified yet because he fears for his future within the GOP, who could blame him. He reached in between my legs and fondled me, the former Walker staffer told NBC News in a telephone interview. To my shame, I didn't say anything to stop him, he said. So um, 
Here we go again, the double standard, which we are very well acquainted with, Andy, aren't we? Yes. I mean, can this be true of the man who co-wrote the book, uh, The Desecrators, defeating the cancel culture mob and reclaiming one nation under God? He's married <laughs> to a woman. He's got five kids who he calls his angels. Uh, but he's, uh, you know, the, 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 the guy who he went after says, I feel so dirty. I'm supposed to be this. I'm supposed to pick this MF or up in the morning and just pretend nothing happened. He really went on about it. Uh, You know, it's shades of Brendan Fraser. And I I tell you, we don't talk about male sexual assault uh, enough, really, until recently. And these these guys only really recognize that they've been assaulted after the fact. And it's it's something that's not talked about and it's being discredited. Well, you know, Schlapp is the head of the American Conservative Union. Um, but uh, he actually did welcome the log cabin Republicans to their conventions uh, over the objections of a lot of people. Um, but he also had a parade of anti-LGBTQ speakers at the convention, um, including um, Hungary's fascist leader, Viktor Orban, who spoke of anti-gay stuff at the convention. Um, and, he's al- uh, and he's always been there for sexual abusers like Donald Trump and Matt Gates. Of course. Yes. All right. And then we have another uh, intro, uh, ancient, well, I don't call it ancient, but very, very old sexual harassment story uh, on the set of Romeo and Juliet, 1968. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't sure if we were going to do this now or in um, uh, entertainment, but it kind of is one of those weird crossover stories. Uh, Franco Zeffirelli was the director of that film, and that film did get Oscars, I believe, and the two young stars, uh, Leonard Whiting and Olivia Hussey, were in their teens, 15 and 16 years of age, respectively. And they're now in their 70s, and they are suing uh, to say that they were misled by Paramount Studios. There they are with Franco Zeffirelli back in 1968. Yes. Now, they're not suing uh, the Zeffirelli estate. That director has has passed on and his adoptive son is in charge of the estate. They're suing Paramount, saying that they were misled and they were uh, told by the director they would not have to uh, pose naked or or show any parts of their bodies, that they'd be wearing body stockings. And he was uh, able to convince them for the integrity of the film, apparently, to get them to to film a a scene in which I think his buttocks and her breasts are exposed. And this is is very complicated. These kids are, they were kids under age. Now, it was very, you know, it was the late 60s. I'm sure that was the climate of the time. But retroactively now, they are deciding to sue for damages, $500 million to be received. They're suing Paramount in this country. That's why we're doing it under American News. Um, now, but as recently as uh, 2018, uh, Hussey, Olivia Hussey, defended the scene as as integral to the film. And I remember how much discussion about that there was. I believe they sh- I went to a Catholic boys high school. I believe they showed us that Romeo and Juliet film. Though. I, I could be I certainly remember it from the time. And that is when I was in high school. They also showed us a live birth film when I was in. Oh, my God. When I was school, I went home and thanked my mother <laughs> and wished my other my sister luck because she was pregnant. Little <laughs> boys pass out in the room when they watch this. Happen. Listen, I pa- I pass out. God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's go to a, a, a censorship story in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh 
you know, that's where they have Don't Say Gay, and it seems to have claimed a high school production of Paula Vogel's play Indecent, which was on Broadway. That's a scene from, from Indecent, which is a play about the censorship of a 1923 play called The God of Vengeance that features a lesbian couple. Um, and it was, it was, you know, ruled in, it was ruled indecent back in 1923. It was taken off Broadway, uh, even though it's quite mild. Um, the school board said that it contains adult sexual dialogue. Now, uh, the director of the film is speaking out about the censorship of it. Her name is Madeline Scotty. Hello, my name is Madeline, and up until tonight, I was playing the ingenue in our high school production of Indecent. Tonight during rehearsal, our company was notified that the school board is shutting us down, not because of, but related to the ideals stated in the Don't Say Gay Bill. Indecent is a story about how detrimental censorship is, about how its damaging effects can ruin a nation and a community. I don't need to point out the irony. The 100-year anniversary of Sholem Ash's The God of Vengeance being shut down on Broadway is the same week that our production of Indecent would have opened. 100 years. 100 years, and we are still fighting the same injustices that Sholem Ash and his company did. Indecent is about the purity of love, the strength within a community, and the shallowness of those who try to silence identity. Indecent is also a queer Jewish love story put on by a company composed of Jewish people, of queer people, of activists, and of the descendants of Sholem Ash. They are trying to tell us that this play is dirty, immoral, obscene, and of course indecent. And by that nature, they are trying to tell me that I myself and my community is dirty, immoral, obscene, and indecent. And I don't have a reason. All I can say is that those reasons do not stray far from those in Sholem Ash's time. And I wish I had a solution. All I can say is to vote and to gather your friends and your family and your loved ones and sit down to watch Indecent, to read Indecent, to read The God of Vengeance and to have the conversations that we are being banned from having. I'll leave you with this. One of my characters states, this will be the only role in my lifetime where I could tell someone I love that I love her on stage. So moving. Um, did you see it on Broadway? You must have. I mean, it was an incredible yeah. experience. That when I and might I just remind people yet again that the the love scene, the lesbian scene, it's a, it's a kiss that is so pure and 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 brief, and it is the smallest part of the whole damn play. And the night I saw it, when the curtain came down, everyone just sat there for ten minutes, and then they turned to the person next to them and started talking. And the only other play that I have heard that did that was the original production of Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman. And this is a play that should be seen, and it's a great American play. Right. And, and by, by, again, a Pulitzer Prize winner. Um, and Paula Vogel issued a statement about this. She's thoroughly outraged, uh, saddened, outraged, everything. I think I'll link to it in our email. And if you want to sign up for our emails, 
usatv.org, and you can do so. Um, it's just, it's depressing. Now, I hope, I haven't heard yet. Sometimes when this happens, uh, you know, people in the theater community get together, they take the show to a local theater, and they do it off campus, and then many more people see it as a result. Yes, yes. Well, and the kicker is they've replaced this play with Chekhov's The Seagull, which is a heterosexual story of uh, a lurid uh, infidelity and madness. <laughs> but it's old. Well, this one, of course, is about an old play. It's not an old play. It's about a hundred-year-old play. It's not a hundred years old. I mean, it's it's all what's going down in Florida. I mean, look, uh, Governor DeSantis this week appointed uh, to the 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 board of trustees of what's called the New College of Florida, the ultra right leader Christopher Rufo. He's the guy who sort of invented all these attacks on uh, critical race theory and on LGBT issues in schools. He is the one nationally who has drummed these things up. And of course, DeSantis, you know, and DeSantis is the is the heir to Trump at this point, and right. uh, perhaps even more scary. Yeah, and then there's what's going on in Texas. They put forth two Florida style, don't say gay bills, uh, going farther or further, I guess I should say, by banning mention of sexual orientation and gender identity up to the fifth or the eighth grade. In Florida, it's the third grade. Um, you know, they say it's all about parental rights, but it's as if we don't have LGBTQ parents uh, and allies, like we don't exist. Um, the bills require the school districts to notify parents if there are any change in the way the kid's being counseled. So it's sort of without the kids to their parents, which is terrible. Um, and it lets the parents sue if the school d- violates that and doesn't report their kids uh, being, uh, sex- uh, you know, gay or transgender. It's just... Orwellian? Orwellian. That's the word I, I would... Uh, use. That, that's a good word. You want some better news from Oregon? Yes. Okay. The Department of Education there, and of course, this is coming from the right-wing press because they're they're upset about it. It, it. Department of Education says, State Department says, schools should refrain from telling parents of, the, of their children's gender identities unless if there's any safety issue that might be at stake for the kids. They issued a 48-page guide supporting gender-expansive students' guidance for schools. Look, they say parents and family support is the goal when supporting gender-expansive students, but may not be possible in all situations. And it encourages the schools to affirm gender identity. Oregon, and of course, they have a a lesbian governor now. Uh Well, they had a bisexual governor before that. So, uh, but so that we've been doing this. Okay. What's next in the state and local news? I'm thinking about governors. That just made me think about Kathy Hochul. What's she done now? Another bad move I heard. Uh, well, she's continuing to disappoint us in many ways. Uh, she's still standing by her center right nominee for chief judge of the state, despite strong progressive opposition. But she also just vetoed a bill that would require, the bill would have required the New York courts, when you assign somebody who's a defendant, who's a drug addict, to a treatment program, all the bill says was, you've got to offer them a non-religious alternative. You've got to let them know they have a non-religious alternative, because a lot of these programs are just based on religion, and that's not going to be good for a lot of people. And she said, oh, it's not needed. They can already uh, ask for it if they want it, but they don't necessarily know. They're drug addicts, they're in court. 
All it says was that it would have to be informed. Uh, so it's it's very, very disappointing. Uh, many defendants in these cases do not know their rights, and we're just trying to you know, give them information. What because is- these programs are often anti-gay, anti-LGBTQ as well. It's, it's so messed up. It's like... Um- how can we have religious exemption laws when we also ourselves can't choose to be exempt from religious influence? It's well, really you say, oh, you can choose. You just have to know your own rights and demand them. Well, that shouldn't be on us. It should be on the courts to do that. Right. All right. And then in Brooklyn, you remember that surrogate judge we talked about months ago, Harriet Thompson, who was suspended in 2021 for saying being gay is an abomination, in addition to making racist remarks. Well, Rather than face a disciplinary hearing, she's been suspended. She's going to step down, not be a judge anymore, and uh, not admit that she did anything wrong. Yeah. Brooklyn. <laughs> but better news from Arizona? Yes. Um, Katie, Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs has extended protections to LGBTQ state employees and contractors. It's an executive order that she signed. Um, and signed her on the first day. On her very first day, it's a good in- indicator, isn't it, uh, to direct the state's Department of Administration to update uh, their protocols for hiring, promotion, and compensation so that all state agencies prohibit discrimination. I think Arizona for the win, and it's really good news for, for that state. And she included a lot of other categories that are not covered by the federal government, including uh, some I hadn't even heard of. Well, marital status I'd heard of, but also culture. You can't be discriminated in the business of culture, social origin, or political affiliation, which very few districts uh, cover. So that's so good for her. Uh, yeah. By the way, you know, you've heard me say bad things about Ed Koch, the mayor of New York, who yeah. struggled with over AIDS and a lot, a lot of other things. On his first day in office in 1978, he issued an executive order on gay rights. But when we got Governor Mario Cuomo a few years later in 84, we had a struggle with him for 11 months to get to do what he promised to do. And, of Mm -hmm. course, Bill Clinton, instead of signing an executive order on the first day, the ban on gays in the military is gone. He let them roll him, and uh, it was off to the races. If you say you're going to do it, just do it. Right. Let the chips fall where they may. So thank you, Governor Hobbs. Yes. Um, And... uh, Sort of alarming news from Louisiana. You now need a government-issued ID in order to access pornography online, like a driver's license. you got to give them your driver's license if you want to go to the site. Well, look, I'm all for protecting kids, right? Oh. Uh, this, is, uh, this seems like an invasion of privacy. What's happening at a state level in Louisiana that you think that this would, would have come in? Oh, right. Yes. Where, where, where do I have that? Because, I mean, you, you think the Internet goes everywhere, but um, with, with local ISPs, they can track your activity. And then, I mean, isn't that strange? Imagine if you were from Louisiana and you were accessing that site and when you were at home, you could be prosecuted. And when you were not there, you could not be prosecuted and they couldn't trace you. It's confusing to me. So who holds the data? That's what who gets your driver's license or your passport. It's not it's not the site. It's the local authorities. I, there must be. That just doesn't sound democratic. Well, this is America in 2023. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right. I want to mourn the death of my friend and a beloved figure in the theater and gay communities, Emmett Foster. We have a picture of him there. Um, 
he has died at the age of 75. He had a stroke a couple of weeks ago and just didn't pull out of it. Um, now, before there was the Book of Mormon, Emmett, I think in around 1985, wrote and performed, and I saw it, um, Emmett, a one Mormon show about growing up gay and Mormon. He, uh, it, was, it was hilarious and moving and touching. Now, he was, Emmett was also famous for being the top personal assistant to Joseph Papp, who ran the public theater. And he did this for 18 years. Um, and after Joe died in 1991, he did another one-man show called So It's Come to This, covering more of his life and working with Joe Papp. Um, he, he said he wanted his shows to be life-affirming, to help teach people how to live. Uh, and he said, people think a lot of the stuff in the show is a joke because it's funny, but it's absolutely true. And he always told the truth. He was, I mean, you know, the, the numbers of theater people just mourning his loss, everybody knew him. Uh, everybody worked with him at, at some level, especially at the public theater, but also in life. It was wow. just tremendous. So he will be much, much missed. I had no idea he was 75. He was so youthful. Wow. Um, but a lovely, what a lovely, rich life he must have led being part of s such a wonderful New York institution as the public theater. Well, you know, um, he said, you know, he started out in that job. And of course, being a personal assistant, especially with Joe Papp, who was a rough guy, can be kind of rough. But he said, you know, there were so many father figures there. He mm -hmm. said, look, I had a mother who had, um, I think, eight husbands over the years. Wow. And my father was kind of absent. So when I had all these father figures, I kind of, you know, latched on to that. And, uh, it, you know, I sort of liked being in the environment. He said, I like getting up every day knowing I was going to help somebody and it was going to happen. And that's the way he was. Hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, you, you talked about uh, last week or the week before Amber McLaughlin, uh, who was going to be uh, the first out trans person to be executed in the United and States. She was. She was put to death a matter of hours after our last broadcast last week. Uh, you know, and, and that happened. Obviously, the state law is the law, but uh, the big thorn in everyone's side who discusses this case is that her mental health issues and her abusive background was not brought to trial in her defence. Uh, so, yes, that did happen, sadly. This was Missouri. Governor Mike Parson refused clemency petitions that cited the extreme abuse that she oh. suffered, uh, including uh, having fetal alcohol syndrome. Um, yeah. She was, she's, and as you noted on the show, she transitioned while she was in prison. And then these anti-trans murders continue into, into 2023. Um, the first one we have is from Washington, D.C., Jasmine Star Mack, 36 years old, stabbed to death. Her body found Saturday, January 7th in the Ivy City neighborhood of Washington. Jasmine was misgendered in the initial reports, including by the Washington Post. A longtime trans activist, Erlene Budd, confirmed Jasmine's true identity. And again, this is the first such murder and likely not the last. And thank you. The source for that is Sue Kerr, a Pittsburgh lesbian who routinely does update these uh, horrific transgender deaths. Thanks, Sue, for all the work you do. And we do have to worry about all this legislation that's coming down the pike. Be aware of it coming up in your state legislatures and see what you can do. Um, you know, check out, uh, go to go to your local state group and find out what's going on there. Uh, so many of our viewers are very engaged in their local communities and in their state movements. And that's how we that's how we can stop these things. And if you raise enough fuss about it, you can stop it. Like in Ohio, you know, we talked about it last year, you know, uh, where 
people testified against these things, prominent people, and it made a difference. It sort of made the bills less bad because people got engaged. Don't think you can't do something about it because you can. Yes. Yeah, so here are the states. There's uh, Kansas, Kentucky, Missouri, Montana, New Hampshire, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Utah and Virginia. All of them have seen about two dozen uh, anti-trans bills designed to restrict transgender health care access. I mean, this is tr- this isn't just the sports issue, which is bad. Oh, enough. This is tr- this is access to trans health care. Look, these right wing groups share their legislation across the country. Uh, I wish our side did more positive legislation. I mean, like California passes all those wonderful bills. Why aren't we getting them in New York? And then and then a lot will get some of them. But what about all the other states? See what they're doing in California, which is really the leader. And although I, I want to send my thoughts out to my friends on the West Coast who are getting bombed by uh, these horrible storms and mudslides and everything else. It's just awful. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Shall we move to international news? Sure. While on the topic of transgender, did you want to start with the Pope or did you want to start with the explosion of gender identity questioning? I think we should start with with Kenya, the terrible news out of Kenya. Okay. If we can, because that's kind of our order of pictures. Yes. We learned that, well, LGBTQ activist, this is Edwin Chiloba, 25 years old, found dead, mutilated, eyes gouged out, really off, strangled, last Wednesday in the town of Eldoret, uh, by the roadside, stuffed in a metal trunk. Now, it did spark national outrage, and so the police have made four arrests so far, including, and this is, we don't know what this means, a 25-year-old photographer was a friend of his. So we don't know what all the circumstances were here. The motive is unknown. He was a fashion model and a designer. Um, The Kenyan Human Rights Commission said that the human rights of LGBTQ plus persons are being violated every day in Kenya uh, with little consequence for the perpetrators in this. And, you know, this is a predominantly Christian country, Mm. Kenya. Um, Mm. The Kenyan LGBTQ feminist forum said that Chaloba used fashion to deconstruct gender and advocate for the marginalized. So a, a really gruesome crime. We don't know all the details. Uh, it's, it's not the first uh, such murder in Kenya, of course. That's right. I mean, the local authorities, uh, some some people, local sources are saying it was a love triangle gone wrong on New Year's Day. Um, and other people are saying it's just uh, the endemic anti-LGBTQ sentiment, which is on the rise in Kenya and East African nations. Uh, uh, I think some nonprofit estimated uh, recently that about 50% of LGBTQ Kenyans have been assaulted in some way or other. Hey, well, how about Brazil? (laughs) You know, they finally elect a a government that's uh, pro-LGBTQ with Lula, uh, who's back as the uh, president, and they have a January 6th-style insurrection yes. uh, the, you know, the, from the fascists. Again, egged on in the United States by Steve Bannon, uh, who, the Trump ally. And, uh, you know, you don't hear Trump criticizing this. Actually, Bolsonaro's now in a hospital in Orlando and is saying, oh, no, 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 no violence, no violence, even though he's the one who is behind it all, and they're trying to decide whether to extradite him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
hundreds, but the the difference between the January 6th insurrection and this is they arrested hundreds of people right on the spot. They, they hardly arrested anybody that day at the Capitol. All of them had to be, you know, identified through cameras and all that other kind of stuff. So, but, you know, at least Lula, the president, is is going to try uh, to hold on to the office that he was elected to, uh, but it's it's very, very scary. Mm. Okay. Um, in Poland, I just read this story. The Black Eyed Peas performed on Polish TV on New Year's Eve, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we mentioned it. Did we mention mm-hmm. it last week? I we think did it we, last week. Okay. That they didn't boycott it, like like uh, Mel C boycotted it, but they decided to issue a statement and perform. So, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I have to listen to Gay USA more, more carefully. <laughs> I appreciate all of you who, who watch. Um, <laughs> Now, this, but I think this is a follow-up to what's going on in Israel. We told you that you, you talked about the new speaker of the Knesset, yes. who's an out, a conservative out gay man, Amir Ohana. Um, but this week, I don't think you have this, an influential Haredi rabbi, right? Yeah. Uh, at an Orthodox seminary, told the students that uh, Ohana is infected with disease. Oh, boy. That his sexual orientation was responsible for the 2021 crowd crush that killed 45 people in Israel. How does he figure that? You know, Ohana has a partner uh, that he's been with for 18 years. They're raising uh, two children. He called the rabbi's comments baseless hatred, Mm. which is not something that is often heard from U.S. politicians when religious leaders attack us. So I'm (laughs) glad for that. Um, You know, like the late uh, unholy father, Benedict that we'll talk about later um, uh, when they pop off. Now, Netanyahu uh, has condemned the rabbi's statement, but his coalition government has empowered some right-wing anti-LGBTQ politicians who believe these things. Yeah. So it's... it's All right, now you want to talk about the Vatican? Yes, the Vatican. Why not? Uh, we're, we're looking at what's happening. I mean, Benedict's been put to rest. His burial, that's a chapter closed. Where does this leave Francis? What do you think, Andy? What's happening? Well, the, spec- the first speculation is that Francis is now more free to bring the church's teaching on sexuality into the, I will say, the 20th century. Not for the 21st. It's a little too much to ask. Um, <laughs> Well, look, I mean, the, the Catholic Church issued a, 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 an encyclical under Pope Paul VI in the 60s, Cumane Vitae, even though a panel had recommended that they go along with artificial birth control, he said no. Mm. Uh, and he, he not really uh, set the church back quite a bit, I believe. Um, so anyway, uh, but again, my position is until a lesbian can be pope, the church has a long way to go. And I don't mean that as a joke. If they can't accept women as leaders, women, and then, of course, us, uh, LGBTQ people, then it's not going anywhere. Um, now, uh, I, I want to make a, a small correction on last, the way you reported this last week. Uh, you put up a, a picture of me saying, honk if the Pope should resign. That was not when the Pope, vi- Pope Benedict visited. That was right after it was exposed that he, as Archbishop of Munich, had covered up clergy abuse in Munich. And everybody knew about this. And this was on Easter Sunday. We went to St. Patrick's Cathedral and held up these signs like this. We had about, you know, 20 people protesting across the street. 
And of course, Cardinal Dolan was leading the procession into the cathedral, you know, because it was Easter Sunday. So it was, so they all saw our signs and there was this cacophony of uh, cab drivers and bus drivers honking their horns because we had not, our kids were being threatened and, you know, our kids were being threatened and he didn't do anything. He covered it up and yeah. allowed it to happen. So uh, that was that. Um, so that that's the correction on that. Um, at the funeral, we have a picture of, uh, that's Archbishop Gonswine, Georg Gonswine, by the way, who was the right hand to Benedict, uh, kissing his coffin. Now, he has written a book. He has always been anti-Francis, and Francis kind of put him out to pasture in 2020 removed him from the center of power at the Vatican. So he's on, so this is the other side of this. Francis mm -hmm. is freer, but I think uh, Benedict's allies may also feel freer to criticize, to attack, etc. Now, Francis has packed the College of Cardinals, the College of Cardinals. He appoints them all. Two thirds of them are now his, his appointees. They're all men, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you're allowed to appoint. That's right. And they're more along his lines, which is it's not liberal, but less reactionary. And so he's likely to appoint, they're likely to, he can, if he retires, and that maybe he can retire now, so there won't be two ex-popes, that they'll pick somebody more like him. But again, get with the program, start letting women vote, let women be priests, let women be cardinals. Come on. I mean, how is it tolerable? In 2023. Hmm. All right. By the way, Gonswine was not happy with his with Francis's sermon about about the, because he hardly mentioned the, the, the pope by the ex pope by name in the thing. Yeah. Well, poor gorgeous George. I, I don't envy him. <laughs> Left behind. Okay. All right. Um, give us the story from the United Kingdom. Yes, so um, I, I saw this uh, this little news from the right wing outlet known as Fox News that UK police forces um, all all across the kingdom have spent thousands of dollars on rainbow insignias, uh, little little adornments for the cars, flags, even things like sporks, which I I had to Google what is a spork. It's a cross between a spoon and a fork, you know, mug, the whole lot. So this is sixty six thousand pounds, which is nearly eighty thousand US dollars. It's just rainbow themed merchandise for the coppers. Uh, but this has uh, people up in arms. The right-leaning Telegraph newspaper reported police chiefs have been caught red-handed wasting money on woke nonsense, Tom Ryan, a researcher for the Taxpayers Alliance, told the newspaper. But, of so, course, the purpose of this is to say, you know, you can approach us. The police are your friends. Well, yeah. You know, we can debate that. But, but at least trying to signal if you're the victim of a hate crime, come to us. Right. We are, we are, we're, you know, we're not going to bite your head off. Uh, and, you know, which happened in the past, you'd go in to report something and they say you got what you deserve. I mean, okay. that's changed uh, with a lot of police because of a lot of training and things like this. So it's terrific. Now, I, I, this makes me think of when I was in London, I decided to visit the new police museum at, at Bow Street. Uh, which is a very famous, in the West End, it's the local jail, it's where the police, and it has the whole history of policing. And I want to give them credit. They talk about 
they didn't have a black cop until the 1960s in London. And he's yeah. interviewed and there's a video of him there. And the women, there were women in the police force at various levels, but they weren't equal until yeah. the 70s and 80s, really, in terms of doing the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also uh, spotlight famous people who were arrested, like the suffragettes. And this is where Oscar Wilde was held um, after he was arrested. Now, this is a lockup. It's not It's not a prison. It's just a jail where they put you in overnight. But th- this shows you exactly the kind of cells that they were in in those days. It has a toilet, doesn't have a sink. Uh, you have to ask for toilet paper to be handed to you because they won't leave it in the room. Um, it's a typical cell. The suffragettes were held in these, in these types of things. And my friend Peter Tatchell, the gay rights activist who was uh, be, protesting something there, was held. And when he was put into one of these cells, they said, that's the same cell we put Oscar Wilde in. Wow. Yeah. So it's historic. And I'm glad that they deal with their own sins in the department. It's not just a celebratory thing. It's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's instructive. Yes. All right. Then there's this report from the United Kingdom. We just read it. Um, that there's been an explosion in the rise of girls questioning their gender identities. Hmm. Read this? Yes? Yes, yes. And then there were, there's an earlier article from November. Uh, the Guardian wrote this up. Um, but, yes, there is – it is an exponential rise. I find it very interesting that uh, this has come out because NHS researchers were asked to investigate why the numbers were – the numbers of adolescent biological girls seeking referrals to gender clinics had, like, tripled. Uh, yeah. Well, let's – I mean, let's look at the numbers. Ten years yeah. ago, there were 250 referrals to the NHS for gender issues like this, mostly boys in those days who, you know, uh, understood themselves to be girls. Last year, there were 5,000 referrals twice, and that's twice the number of just the previous year. And two-thirds were what they call birth-registered females presenting in adolescence with gender-related distress. And they're looking into the causes. I think, obviously, one of the causes is that people have more information about this now. Mm-hmm. You know, we grew, I grew up at a time when you, know, you couldn't even talk about homosexuality in polite company, basically. And uh, so it was. It's hard to get a handle on who you are if it's not being discussed uh, in in the media, uh, in the papers, uh, in your families, or anything else. So that's the advantage that young people have today. They have more information, and they figure it out. Yeah. Any other international news? We're going to eleven minutes. Yeah. I don't think I have any. No. Well, I want to make a couple of a, uh, health notes. Uh, just that uh, a QAnon star who only who said only idiots get COVID vaccines, Christine Weldon, well, she died of COVID. <laughs> and she was working with Roseanne Barr on QAnon videos, which is... Oh, my God. She wanted Anthony Fauci hung from a rope. Uh, she once uh, recorded herself yelling at people online who were getting vaccines. Uh, she joins a long list of right-wingers felled by COVID because they were anti-vax. Uh, but her allies are claiming she was murdered of course. In the hospital, and they're threatening the staff there. Of course, yes. Uh, and they're also uh, Trump's friend, uh, right-wing activist, uh, uh, Diamond of Diamond. And, uh, and Silk. She, Diamond and Silk, yes. They, those couple of dummies, you know. So uh, she died. If you ever watched them, they were two of the yes. most glamorous, wonderful, unintelligent women I've ever heard speak. <laughs> but on a hopeful front, and I sent you this article today, 
uh, scientists at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute have developed a drug. Again, this is somewhat preliminary that potentially neutralizes COVID um, uh, and all variants, including future variants, designed in such a way that natural selection to maintain the infectiousness of the virus should also maintain the drug's activity against future variants. And it comes at a time when, you know, uh, the virus is escaping the vaccines that we have. Mm. Okay, entertainment news. Noah, Noah, now we have schlap, now we have schnap. Noah, Noah, schnap. Um, yes, from from uh, Stranger Things. He says he's, uh, he came out on TikTok. He's uh, 18 years of age, and he said, when I finally told my friends and family I was gay after being scared in the closet for 18 years, and they all said, we know. And he said that he, he plays a closeted gay uh, character in Stranger Things, and he said, I, I realize I have uh, more in common with my character than I thought. He's 18 years old, you know, I mean, and of course, there was a lot of pressure from fans saying, come on already, come out. He's 18 years old. I mean, I'm all for coming out. I think we should all do it, you know, Uh, but, uh, you know, he felt a lot of, he was feeling some pressure, so he did it. Yes. And he feels good. Are you going to tell us what you thought of Watch on the Rhine at the Donmar Warehouse? You know, Watch on the Rhine, Lillian Hellman play. It's from 1941, uh, it, uh, and it was a Betty Davis movie in 1943, yes. which I have seen. But yes. this was at the Donmar Warehouse. That's a family. Um, the father in the family is a German resistance member, and she comes home to her Washington, D.C. suburban home, very fancy uh, after 20 years of being away with her with her kids, and you know they're trying to regroup before he goes back in the 30s to go back fight uh, uh, in the resistance there, and it's a, it's a, it's it's a real it's kind of an old fashioned play, but it's an anti fascist play. Mm-hmm. It's most wonderful, and um, the mother, the grand dame of the house, is played by Patricia Hodge. Are you watching? Oh, I love her. I love Patricia Hodge. All creatures, great and small. Yes. She's the she's the rich lady in town now, but I've been watching her since Betrayal from Harold Pinter right. movie years ago. She's a wonderful actress, and she's so tremendous. So it's it, and it, you know if you can't if this show doesn't come to New York, check out the Betty Davis movie from 1943. It's on Turner Classic Movies from time to time. And the other one I saw is also very fine. Is Neil Bartlett's? Uh, he did Charles the Third. He did Cock. Stage adaptation of Virginia Woolf's novel, Orlando. And you remember that was a movie. Now, this is Emma Corrin, non-binary, playing the role of Orlando, which is a gender-bending role. It's about, uh, it's a, it takes place over 400 years, starts out in the Elizabethan era when Orlando is a man, and then it goes across the centuries and discovers that she's a he. And, uh, excuse me, he's a she. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm mixing it up. Now, this was made a movie with Tilda Swinton uh, way back when, but directed by Michael Brandage here. And um, it's got a chorus of eight people, men and women playing Virginia Woolf in cardigans, looking kind of frumpy and and commenting on all that's going. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's got Deborah Findlay, if you know her, wonderful, wonderful British access. She plays the no nonsense housekeeper over the years giving commentary on what's going on. So I highly recommend that, Um, uh, especially as gender and sexuality are once again controversies in the West. Mm. 
I, I saw a movie that you would like to uh, see, Andy. Uh, last night, uh, the documentary All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, it is now showing in select cinemas, including IFC um, here in New York, and the Museum of the Moving Image has a special screening on January the 15th. Uh, but I wrote a little review. I'll just quickly whiz through it. I, I found this to be an incredible documentary, mostly because it intertwines several threads from the renowned photographer Nan Golden's life, uh, using her slideshows, her images, snippets of film, and her terrific voiceover. Um, if you know Nan Golden's work, it, it's very violent and, and intimate and, and fleshy and raw and saturated. And these are real people living through the AIDS epidemic and the downtown art scene in New York City. Uh, but this is also counterpointed with her activism against the opioid crisis and how she's gone after the Sackler family to hold them accountable for 500,000 deaths caused by OxyContin overdoses. And there's intercutting between that movement and all of the um, uh, die-in demonstrations at the Met in the former Sackler wing, which is the Egyptian wing, and um, counterpointed with ACT UP and the AIDS activism, and, and, and then the story of her sister Barbara, who was institutionalized for simply being a healthy bisexual adolescent, and uh, she killed herself eventually. So the theme of suffering and addiction and pain and how you can convert those things into activism and art. To me, it was a fantastic, fantastic message. And um, please do go and see it because especially if you did not live through the AIDS crisis and you can't connect the dots to why what artist activists did then and what they're doing now, it's very important. Well worth your two hours. I definitely want to see this. You know, Anne and I used to work at the Hetrick Martin Institute for Lesbian and Gay Youth in the late 80s and the early 90s. We were educators there. And Nan Golden was also an educator there. She volunteered to teach photography to the kids at Hetrick Martin. Wow. And, uh, and of course, you know, you talk about her campaign against the Sackler family, uh, who were the, behind the opioid crisis. And it was it was relentless and it was successful. Yes, they've had their names removed from, uh, I'm pretty sure, obviously, the Guggenheim, the Met, uh, the Louvre was the first to take the name down. It's incredible. They were just throwing millions of dollars at these institutions and cranking out the pills uh, that, that young people all over the country, half a million have overdosed on. Well, you know, that gets to the issue of economic justice, which I yes. don't think we talk enough about, because, you know, billionaires like, uh, who's the guy with, oh, uh, why am I blocking the name of guy at Twitter? Elon Musk. You know, these billionaires, they buy things, they buy the government, uh, they buy all the institutions, and they just, and, you know, it, 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 it you know, it's not, it hurts democracy tremendously. It, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll say something controversial. There shouldn't be any billionaires. I mean, you know, people say, oh, they worked hard. Are you kidding? I mean, they don't do all the hard work. I mean, their workers do. Uh, taxation is no longer fair. Uh, because they let, if you let people keep all the money at the top, they buy the government. And that's what you're seeing around the world, not just here, but in England. You know, I mean, I wasn't going to talk about Harry and Meghan at all, and I, I really don't want to. But <laughs> the, the conservative government over there is thrilled about this. Why? Because it's pushed all their, you know, malfeasance off the front pages of the papers. You know, they've got rail strikes over there that they're not dealing with. Yes. It's nurses' strikes over there, and we have one here in New York that they're not dealing with. So politicians kind of love it when sort of a controversy, uh, put, you know, uh, puts them off the front pages and less attention to what they're doing. Yes. 
So you're back from London. You're here in the States. Andy, what, what are you feeling is your mission? Do you feel reinvigorated now? Uh, you know, I think we all need to gear up, all of us, uh, and try to figure out what we can do to make a difference uh, in, in this very troubled times. But I think we're going to accomplish more at our state levels than we are at the federal government. We have to certainly uh, lobby the Congress and, 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 uh, and, try to, and try to stop them. But I, I'm very worried that things are, are totally out of control uh, there. I think it's going to hurt the Republicans in 2024. Now, the Republicans were supposed to have a good year in 2024. It was going to be easy for them to take back the Senate. You know, I see that Katie Porter, by the way, who is one of our heroes out in California, a member of the House, is going to run for the U.S. Senate now out there. I guess that's for uh, Dianne Feinstein's uh, seat. I can't believe Feinstein is going to try to do it again. Yes. <laughs> I don't think 2024 is going to be a good year for Republicans at all, actually. Well, the, the Senate map is not good. I don't I think for the House, you're right. It's going to be. I, th I hope people are going to rebel and say we would, we would like a functioning government. And, of course, we're not going to have one for the next couple of years. And that's a long time. I feel the ethos for me, if you don't mind me saying as an outsider looking in on it, the ethos of every man for himself, it's not a good one right now where the planet is concerned. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that when everything's wonderful and there's plenty of money and, you know, we can drive a big gas guzzling car, the pull yourself up by your bootstraps ethos is fabulous. But when the planet's dying and the, and the news is worse than ever, I think we need a unifier and we need somebody who can look after the collective a little better. Marin for president. Marin, me. <laughs> Well, I would like I would love to see many more people like you uh, in public office than the cast of characters that we have here. <laughs> well, it is. But it is good to be back. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still getting over jet lag and adjusting yes. to all these things. I hope I can stay up and send you all your notes. And again, if you want to receive our emails every week, uh, do uh, go to GayUSATV.org. Uh, you could also write me to my, they're putting my email up there. If you have something to say to me, I've made any mistakes this week, and we appreciate when you make corrections. And we're down to our last 20 seconds. Thank you, Marin. Thank you. And everyone, follow me at Queer40 and, and, and read what I have to say there. But thanks for watching. Oh, say it again, queer40.com. Queer40.com. That's, that's your website. And uh, thank you very much, Marin, for all your service. Thank you.